Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome Dr. Lori Shemek. of our country has silent inflammation and they don't even know it. And so it's the core, as I mentioned, the core underlying cause of most illness, disease, faster aging and weight gain. And we're looking at diseases like heart disease, obesity, type two diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, osteoporosis, you name it, inflammation is the underlying cause of it. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. I'm the best-selling author of three books and founder of Keto Camp, where our mission here is to educate and to inspire one billion people. Today's episode is so much fun. You're just gonna love Dr. Lori as we focus on inflammation, three types of inflammation, acute, chronic, and fat inflammation. Dr. Lori actually has a book all about fat inflammation, and she's a leader in the keto space. She is also a leader in the intermittent fasting and inflammatory space, inflammation space. So you're gonna hear her incredible story and what she had to endure. Her pain to purpose to promise message is very, very inspiring. You're gonna learn why Dr. Lori decided to focus on inflammation and the three different types of inflammation. You're gonna understand which foods on the keto diet lead to increased inflammation, and then which foods, these key keto foods, can reduce inflammation. We get into the discussion on why we do not want to consume these unstable fats on keto, and we'll dive deep and give you the specifics on which fats exactly to avoid. Then we talk about the cell danger response. This is super fascinating as we discuss the relationship between the cell membrane and the mitochondria. And then we get into the importance of magnesium and why if you're doing keto magnesium is so important we'll discuss the different types of magnesium and why if you're overweight you actually need more magnesium then we discuss why we both align in doing what i call keto flexing my new book called keto flex and why we were designed to go in and out of ketosis not stay in ketosis then we get into fasting some of her favorite benefits of fasting and then we finish off the episode with dr Lori's favorite lab markers to request from your doctor for anybody doing keto sit back grab a pen and paper grab that fatty cup of coffee this is one for the record books hey before i bring dr Lori on the show i want to take a minute here to get to the apple podcast rating and review of the day this is a five-star review from lkd titled great info on keto and overall health After struggling for several months to figure out keto, I stumbled across Ben's YouTube channel, and I'm so glad I did. He explains keto in an easy to understand way, 
and I love that he has a specialist and many doctors on his channel to further explain how the body works. I have enjoyed his channel so much that I joined the Keto Camp Academy. Thanks, Ben. Oh, that is super cool. I love that you're in the Keto Camp Academy. I love that you get so much from the YouTube channel and from the podcast. And I just love that you took the time to leave a rating and a review. So thank you so, so much. You know, ratings and reviews are the lifeline for podcasts, the oxygen for these shows to grow and reach more people and essentially change more lives. So you make a big difference in our growth just by leaving that review. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating or a review yet, please do so on Apple Podcast. And when you do leave that honest rating and review, take a screenshot, send that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com. Remember, camp spell with a K. Put your shipping address in the United States. And what we will do is I will sign a paperback copy of my best-selling fasting book and mail it out to you as a thank you for leaving that rating and review in the United States only. All right. Let's geek out on the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting with Dr. Lori Shemek. Dr. Lori Shemek is a pioneer in creating global awareness of low-level inflammation and how it is the underlying cause of most illnesses, disease, faster aging, and weight gain. Dr. Lori has been sending out the message about inflammation long before it was a buzzword. Dr. Lori has uncovered the pathway to the core cause of weight, inflamed fat cells that not only promote unwanted excess weight gain and belly fat, but poor health as well. Dr. Lori is a nutrition and weight loss expert, a best-selling author, and specializes in weight loss resistance. She has helped many people to once and for all lose the weight and feel better fast. She shows people how to spot sneaky foods that create weight gain to kick sugar addiction to the curb and shift from eating the wrong foods to the exact foods that burn fat. Dr. Shemek is an award-winning best-selling author of How to Fight Fat Flammation, The Ketogenic Key, Beginner's Guide to Intermittent Fasting, and Fire Up Your Fat Burn. You could find links to all her books in the notes of this podcast. Let's bring her on. Hey, Dr. Lori. Hey, Ben. How are you? How is everybody? Good to be here. Uh, they're excited. I'm excited personally because we get to geek out together. Thank you for coming on the show. All of us together. <laughs> yeah, all of us together. So yeah, you have been teaching inflammation before it was a buzzword, before it was on Time Magazine. Why did you decide to, to get into inflammation and all things out there? What is your background story regarding that? Well, I grew up with a mother who was ill in fact, most of the memories that I have of my wonderful mother are of her being ill with a constant stream of different health conditions. And, you know, it was really a sad situation. I was the, the eldest. I had two younger brothers. We had no father. He was missing from the picture. So my mother's choices, however, led her down this unhealthy path. And I remember often just walking into her room, her, her dark room, seeing her laying there suffering. And I was a young girl. I didn't really, I, I knew intuitively though, even as a young child, that she could make different choices. And so my mother's choices were not healthy. She smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. She was uh, verging on obesity. She was, it ran on, obesity ran on her, my mother's side of the family. And she had a horrible diet of 
you know, these, these sugar refined carbohydrate diet, coffee, cake, and then coffee and for breakfast. And she was under a lot of chronic stress. So she had no no husband, she had nobody to lean on, and uh, her family was living out of state. So you can imagine the kind of chronic stress she was living under daily. And we had very little money. And so a lot of the nurturing and the mothering responsibilities like cooking were left uh, to me. And so, you know, I remember just making eggs because that was my go-to know-how dish for my brothers. <laughs> Uh, to this day, they don't like eggs, believe it or not. <laughs> and so, um, but it was a very sad situation. She wasn't available emotionally as a parent could, could be if they were feeling better. But, you know, we took care of her and she was, she was good sometimes, but mostly 90% of the time, no. And uh, very sadly, she died at the young age of 36, leaving behind wow. three young children, with literally nowhere to go. And so... You know, it was after she died, I made it, it my mission and my passion. I knew what I wanted to do when I was older. I knew I wanted to help people. I was always interested in health anyway, probably why I paid attention to her diet um, and her health in the first place. And so I went into the helping profession. I went in, I got my doctorate in psychology. I counseled uh, families with, with Family Outreach, an organization that helps uh, at-risk families. And, and I, knew, I noticed that when I changed their food, when I get, literally gave them a grocery list, right, and they use these foods, their health changed, their mindset changed, their motivation changed, and their children as well. So they became healthier. Food has a huge impact upon our mental well-being. And so that that lasted a long time. I became vice president of the organization. And then I decided at a late age to go back to school. And so I went back. I wanted to create my own company. And I wanted to help people with their health like I, I wasn't able to really do before, right? I was helping with their mental health, but not their physical health. And so I uh, went back, became a nutritionist, got my uh, certification in life coaching and created my own company, HealthWorks. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. Uh, what a story. How old were you when your mom passed away? 17, just turned 17. 17. And my wow. youngest brother was nine. And... It was, you know, it was really sad because we were all separated. Uh, they found my father. And so my uh, younger brother, the middle brother, went to go live with him. And my youngest brother, Lance, went to go live with a friend of the family. They eventually adopted him. And I went to go, I went to uh, live on a ranch in Texas with my grandparents, which was definitely a culture shock for me. But we were never to live together again. And it's just, you know, and so... I underscore the word choice when we're talking about health all the time because I saw the choices that my mother made and many people feel like her. They feel like they just don't have any choice in life, they, that this is the hand they've been dealt. And that is far from the truth. In fact, we, you and I both know about the science of epigenetics where we have 80% choice we can change our genes, our gene expression, positive gene expression, 80%. That's huge. My mother didn't know that. And so had I known that, I you know, would have helped her with it. But this is what 
my goal is, my mission is to help people understand that they do have choice, that, you know, it's sometimes transformation isn't overnight, but and it takes a while to see the, the genetic expression, but it's happening on the inside. Well said about the epigenetics. I wholeheartedly agree. And that should be so empowering to those watching or listening right now because, yes, there might be cancer or heart disease or diabetes that may run in the family, but our genes are not our destiny. We have control, and epigenetics is the control. So genes are like that light switch we could turn on and turn off. So you decided to get into the health space because of your pain-to-purpose message, which is beautiful. Uh, we have a lot in common. What led you down the road of inflammation? Why did you decide to dive into that path? You know, it's interesting. When I went back to school to get my to become a nutritionist, I... I, I was reading about inflammation and I was like, you know, this is the key. <laughs> this is really the key. If we can keep and tamp down on this low grade inflammation, we are good to go. And for a long time, we're good to go. I mean, we can prevent so many diseases, so much ill health, weight gain, you name it. And so I can talk about inflammation and the different types if you want. But suffice it to say, it is extremely beneficial uh, to know that inflammation is the un underlying cause of most illness, disease, faster aging, and weight gain. Yeah, I'd love for you to distinguish the difference between the acute inflammation, which you call loud inflammation, and then the silent inflammation. What's the difference between those two? Well, so we have actually three types of inflammation. I I kind of coined the term, the, the third type, which I call fat formation, right? It's the, it's inflamed fat cells. But the first type, which is very important for people to know, and it's all an immune response, all inflammation is an immune response. So if, you know, every day, if we didn't have this acute inflammation, which Ben just said, I, I use the term loud inflammation, because we know it's there, right? We know it's there because it's not comfortable. It's painful. It hurts. It's just, it stings. It's that black and blue sprained ankle, that that cut on your finger, that terrible head cold. It's, it's all the things that we think are bad for us. But in fact, this is a very good thing because without this type of inflammation, we're sitting ducks. We would not be alive. So let's take that cut on the finger. When you cut your finger, an enormous amount of inflammatory molecules are released. And soldiers, if you will, rush to the site of the wound. They repair the wound. The wound heals. The soldiers go away. The inflammation goes away and all is well. That's acute inflammation, and that is necessary. Now, the next type of inflammation is called silent inflammation or chronic inflammation, and its very name suggests danger, right? Because it's silent. You don't know it's there. In fact, 75% of our country has silent inflammation, and they don't even know it. And so it's the core, as I mentioned, the core underlying cause of most illness, disease, faster aging, and weight gain. And we're looking at diseases like heart disease, obesity, type 2 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, osteoporosis, you name it, inflammation is the underlying cause of it. And that's why it's so important to know about this type of inflammation because you, you really don't know it's there. It's silent, 
until it rears its ugly head with a symptom, right? And you can look at silent inflammation like having a sore on the inside of your body that never heals. And that's that's the unfortunate part about silent inflammation unless you intervene and you live an anti-inflammatory life. And the conventional approach is to look at that symptom and treat that without acknowledging that there was a cause for that symptom. Well said, exactly. And that's the conundrum we're, we're in in this day and age because the, the medical community, they're really good at fixing acute issues, infections. And, you know, we all, most of us have had something happen that we're, we're blessed to have our medical community. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, with this chronic inflammation, these inflammatory diseases that appear, they just put the Band-Aid on. So then you have the third type of inflammation, which is called fat flammation. You have a whole book about it. Explain that. Yes, my book, How to Fight Fat Flammation. And it's a tongue twister for some people, so I'm impressed, Ben. <laughs> um, so fat, fat cell inflammation is silent inflammation in the fat cells. And what happens is, is that the types of foods most Americans are eating are creating a body that is producing inflammatory molecules, okay? And when the fat cell is getting bloated, and with glucose, for example, and fat and more, it is, it's expanding. And the fat cell is not happy. And when the fat cell is not happy, it begins to act as if it's sick or infected and begins to emit a, a trickle of inflammatory molecules. And this has a metabolic effect that actually slows down the metabolism causing weight gain for you. And that weight gain, however, isn't in and of itself. It actually affects the rest of the body. So wherever you may be vulnerable, you know, with uh, health conditions or, or whatnot, it may set up there in your joints. It's still inflammation circulating throughout the body. And that's what most people are not aware of. And so, you know, for a good example of what people are eating, we can talk about refined vegetable oils, seed oils, if you want later. Yeah. Um, which I think is so important. It's, it's one of the key components of optimizing your health. Um, when they're ingesting these these oils, for example, a compound called arachidonic acid is created, and that arachidonic acid is stored within the fat cell. And again, it's like a double whammy. If you're eating these types of foods and you're eating an excess amount of calories and you're eating other anti-inflammatory foods, this is causing, again, the fat cell to really kick up and uh, spew out those inflammatory molecules. We don't want that. So what we want to do is we want healthy fat cells. And the way to do that is by ensuring that, which would be the same as for any other cell in your body, to resolve the inflammation in the body. So the big question is, how do we resolve the inflammation in the body? What are some of the key foods for keto to help with that? Yeah, so the, the key foods with keto, so when you are eating keto, which we can talk about, it's an anti-inflammatory diet and why I wrote a book about it. I just released a book called The Ketogenic Key, and it, it's got a lot, of course it would, <laughs> my book on inflammation in there, but it's uh, foods that 
that are going to stop the inflammation like the omega-3s that you find, you know, from the fish that you're eating. Wild fatty fish is a really good example. Any seafood really is really good uh, in omega-3s. This, this really halts the inflammatory process. And then you want to uh, repair the tissue damage done. And many people do not realize that their cells are being damaged with this inflammation, particularly the cellular membrane, okay? Mm. And uh, again, we'll go back to that fat we were talking about earlier, but suffice it to say healthy foods that are, you know, uh, high in polyphenols, all these cruciferous veggies are really great to resolving this inflammation. Berries are high in these polyphenols, green tea, the EGCG in the green tea is excellent in repairing cellular health and stopping this inflammation once and for all. So it's literally making, you know, the keto choices that we have are all in, I would say 95% of them are anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I'm, I'm aligned with that totally. The polyphenols, the green leafy vegetables, the right clean, stable fats like the fish, the seafood. Now, going back to the vegetable oils, and the cell membrane and the mitochondria, what's the dynamic there between consuming these dirty, unstable fats on keto, like the soybean, the canola, the cottonseed, these unstable fats that are in a lot of keto products, they're all over Whole Foods, they're all over even in these healthy grocery stores. What is happening to the cell at the membrane level when we consume this? Yeah, so our cell membrane is a very thin membrane, but it's a very important component of our optimal health. The health of it determines the health of you, essentially. So it's allowing nutrients to come in and out, and it's made up, the cell membrane, of fat. So that's why saturated fat's really good for you. (laughs) But the fats Ben and I are talking about right now are not. Okay, so we're looking at corn oil, vegetable oil, soy oil. What am I missing? Um, Safflower, canola, yeah, cottonseed, these industrial seed oils. Yeah, they're highly processed, highly refined. The body does not know what to do with them, right? When you eat anything that's processed, it's kind of like, okay, well, we'll put you here. And, and then you're just expressing genetically, uh, negatively, of course, that type of food. But the cell membrane then, because it's made of fat, uses the fats that you're eating, okay? And those fats, like let's just take vegetable oil, for example, or canola oil, um, which you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, right, Ben? If you knew how this was made, canola oil smells to high heaven, and so they have to deodorize it. Is they, they have to deodorize all of them, actually. And that's why we really don't want to eat these types of fats. So um, anyway, these fats then, because we are what we eat, right? These become the cell membrane, your cell membrane. And that then promotes a cell membrane that becomes, the, the matrix of the cell is affected as well, becomes a bit rigid, and the cell membrane itself becomes rigid. So what does that mean? That means you're not getting the nutrients that you need to optimize your cellular health. So it creates inflammation at the cell membrane. And now all of a sudden, these 30,000 receptor sites that we have on every cell can't hear the communication from our hormones, from the nutrients that we're eating. Hey, I want to take a brief minute to share something with you. 
for many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it. And I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice. Here's the quote. We found that mice developed deadly late stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil. More importantly, with the increased inflammation, it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop. Simply put, I stopped taking it. I stopped recommending it. I use a plant-based Omega from Pureform. This supplement is nitrogen infused, which preserves and protects it. It has the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3, and most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you wanna learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N, the number four, at checkout, and you'll get $4 off your capsules of Pureform. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back to this episode. I read a study, Dr. Lori, from uh, Professor Brian Peskin, MIT researcher who I had on my podcast. It's called the Iowa Study, and it showed when they removed these inflammatory fats from the participants because they were consuming it to begin with, but when they removed it, it took 132 days before their cell membrane went back to a healthy inflammatory marker. That Five is months. astounding. That is <laughs> astounding. Yeah, but remember what I said early on, that it's not like your health transformation, it's not overnight for most people. Sometimes it is, right? But the more choices, healthier choices you make, the, uh, the faster it goes. So if you just stop that one thing, if you just take away anything from this, this today, it would be to stop using refined oils and a lot of people don't know, like sugar, that they're in almost every processed packaged food product out there. And that's that's the sad part. So you have to, and that's the other thing I would love for people to take away, is to really read labels. It's so important. Mm -hmm. Like if you think when, for example, you, you buy something at Whole Foods that you would get a healthy choice, right? You know, a prepared food there. And they're all full of the soy Recent research just came out showing that soy oil is affecting our brain health. And guess what? Soy oil is used in a lot of these cereals, breakfast cereals, snacks, packaged processed foods, you name it. Yeah, you're so right. We have to read the label. The marketing is brilliant. We could see it's keto, it's gluten-free, it's non-GMO. But then we got to look at the actual ingredients. And you're right, the hot food bar and whole foods and the olive bar if they even have that now with COVID, but when they did have it loaded with these uh, inflammatory fats. So what's the relationship here between the cell membrane and the mitochondria within the cell, which is that battery, the engine of our body, uh, of our cells. So what's the relationship there? And if you could speak about the cell danger response, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. So the mitochondria is a sensing organelle. And for those of you that don't know what the mitochondria is, it's a tiny little, we have millions of them 
in our body and mostly in our heart and muscles, but they're everywhere. And they are the most crucial organelle that we have because they generate ATP, which is the energy that the cell needs to survive and what keeps us alive, right? So we need that energy from the mitochondria. When uh, the mitochondria is not functioning optimally, remember I was talking about inside the cell, the matrix gets a little stiff and it's not healthy. The nutrients aren't getting to the, the organelles within the cell. And the mitochondria is one of those organelles that requires magnesium for example, to create ATP. Well, it's not getting the ATP that it needs. So it's not in the amount that it should be getting it. So what we need to do is stop eating these types of foods that are causing inflammation, that are ruining the cell membrane, right? And then we want to really ensure that we have enough magnesium and we can talk about that then if you want uh later but 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 just remember this that magnesium is extremely crucial to your optimal health and weight for example so the mitochondria and there is is part of what is called the cell danger response and this is an important component to inflammation that happens that a lot of people are not aware of. So when the mitochondria, say there's something going on with the cell somewhere in the body, the mitochondria starts saying, whoa, 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 we're, we're in distress here and starts uh, sending out I signals of uh, distress. And this uh, create, sets up a, an inflammatory response, if you will, within the cell. And if the cell is not really functioning healthfully anyway, via poor diet or for poor food choices, then it's, it's a double whammy as well. So all the cells come together to fight this inflammation, but it's just causing more inflammation. And until we intervene and we stop this this cell danger response is how the cell sees itself and the brain. So the brain gets the message that, oh my gosh, you know, there's stuff going on in the cell. And until we intervene and make healthier choices, until the brain gets that message, everything's okay, then that inflammation continues and it becomes chronic. And then we have autoimmune issues going on and uh, much more uh, inflammatory uh, negative health issues. So until we intervene and stop that cell danger response or CDR as it's referred to, then we're going to be feeling negative health effects. Yeah, well said. Well, a great explanation of that. I don't think we had anybody on my show or almost 200 episodes in explain the cell danger response, especially as great as you did it. So thank you for explaining that. Uh, so the first thing is to have the awareness that there is something interfering with your cells, interfering with the body. Awareness. Number two is remove the interference. And number three, the body will heal. Will it heal overnight? Probably not. Will it heal over time? Absolutely. The body is incredible. So you mentioned magnesium. Why is it important to increase your magnesium on a low-carb, high-fat diet like keto? And what are your favorite ways to get in magnesium? Yeah, the, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, one of the, the nutrients that people lose because when you eat low carb, you're emitting a lot of fluid, you're releasing a lot of fluid. And with that fluid comes uh, a lot of those really precious minerals like magnesium and potassium and sodium, for example. And so 
I always insist that people um, with their doctor's approval take magnesium as a supplement because it is, as I mentioned, you know, if, if you look at your mitochondria as the source of optimal health for you, you will be good to go the rest of your life. If you look at the cell, uh, the cell membrane, all, you know, if you focus 90% on that, instead of the, the, uh, the weight loss and, you know, the mm. athletic ability and, you know, the, the smooth skin, et cetera. If you, if you focus more on your cellular health with your food choices, your dietary choices, your lifestyle choices, then it all falls into place. And it, all of that is just a byproduct naturally. Mm. Well said. You're so right. Take care of the cell, especially the cell membrane and everything else takes care of itself. What are your favorite sources of magnesium? So I personally, I take two different types. I take a chelated form. It's a patented form, two patented forms, actually. It's uh, it very, it's, you know, by Blue Bonnet. I have no affiliation with any of these companies. So be, the reason I take the chelated form is because it's, it's very bioavailable. And then um, I take magnesium 3 and 8, which mm. is a form that readily passes the blood-brain barrier, which other types of magnesium cannot do. And so it promotes better brain health, you know, as you age. And just overall, it's, it's more bioavailable. There are many types, and you can even use a supplement that has all like nine different types of magnesium in there. So, which, you know, is a great way to do it, but you're not getting as much as you would if you just settled on two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I use the three and eight often and I kind of go back and forth between three and eight and malate. I like those two. Yeah. So it depends on your, really what's going on with you, but say you're very overweight, which you're probably not, but just for general purposes. If you're very overweight, you're going to need more. If you're on medications, you're going to need more. If you have foggy thinking, you're going to need more. So if, in that, in those areas, I would say 600 milligrams are excellent. Stay away from magnesium oxide uh, unless you are constipated, then that's a really, it's the only way you'd want to use oxide because it's not really bioavailable anywhere else in the body. So four to 600 for most people is good. I take 600 a day. Yeah, me too. Sometimes I go up to 800, but for some people that might give them dis disaster pens, so be careful. <laughs> and that's the other thing. If you if you find that you you know have disaster pens, uh, just reduce the dosage by one. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's transition here because a lot of uh, alignment with your work and uh, and my work because we both teach keto, obviously, but all, we also believe that keto ketosis is not a diet; it's a metabolic state, and when we look at it from that lens, it's a great tool, but it's not the only tool, meaning we love to be in ketosis, but we don't believe we should be in ketosis all the time. So what are your thoughts on, I call it keto flexing, you could call it carb cycling, but what are your thoughts on getting in and out of ketosis, especially for women? Yeah, I think, you know, for everybody, I think it's a great thing. And, and you know, as you talk about, Ben, it's, it's a great way to teach your body to be metabolically flexible. And that's what we want. That is how we we actually evolved, you know, is is being metabolically flexible. So it's a really great way where and so I know your your listeners know, uh, viewers know about your flexing, keto flexing. But for those that may not know, it's just, you know, amping up your carb intake. I like it two days a week, 
could be, you know, once every two weeks. It just depends on what works for you. But do you do that? Do you do that right from the beginning or do you get them strict first, kind of uh, get into ketosis for a while and then you start doing that? How do you how do you teach it? Exactly that. So I I prefer people, especially if they have weight to lose, right? Mm -hmm. I prefer that they stay strict on uh, the keep, stay in in ketosis for a while until the weight starts falling off. Then the body's better able to handle the carbohydrate anyway. And then I think you're good to go. Otherwise, you're not quite prepared. It's kind of like jumping into keto, into the keto diet without preparing yourself or intermittent fasting without preparing yourself. So uh, we can talk about more about that too. But suffice it to say that uh, it's easy to get back into ketosis once you've been there before, once your body is used to it. And it works very well. And for women, it's great because, you know, women, we're, we're more fine-tuned hormonally. And so, you know, reproductive wise, you name it. So that's carbohydrates sometimes are even better in terms of sustaining us. And for everybody, having carbohydrates every so often makes us happy. (laughs) So (laughs) keeps keeps us on the program, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And also, I mean, we also need some insulin to make that, um, T4 to T3 hormonal conversion. So if we're not getting that. Yeah, the thyroid. So and also uh, carbohydrates to build muscle. And we can talk about that as well. So, you know, carbohydrates are necessary. One of my favorite ways to break a fast is with bone broth. Not just any bone broth you get at your grocery store. I'm talking about high quality grass-fed bone broth. The benefits to bone broth is a long list from glowing skin, stronger hair and nails, improved recovery from the amino acids that are in the broth, helping with digestion, energy, the immune system, helping with cravings, and also brain fog. Bone broth also helps to balance out your methionine to glycine ratios. A lot of people, especially those doing carnivore, who eat a lot of muscle meat, they get an imbalance of increased methionine levels. And what bone broth could do, it has high amounts of glycine, which helps balancing the ratio of methionine to glycine, which is important for methylation. If you're not familiar with methylation, think of that as the gears and switches of your cellular health. Lately, my go-to for bone broth has been the beauty and the broth. What I love about them is that there are no artificial flavors, no preservatives, no phthalates, no sugar or salt added. They are grass-fed, non-GMO, and it contains a high amount of collagen, which is so important for your gut and your skin and bone health. The cool thing about the Beauty and the Broth is that their packets are single serve and you could take them on the go wherever you go. When I'm traveling, when I'm on the go, I'll take a few packets of these bone broths with me. You just add hot water, boom, it's concentrated for you, which makes it easy to get your bone broth anywhere. They have affordable monthly, bi-weekly, and weekly subscription programs. Head over to thebeautyandthebroth.com to learn more about them. That is thebeautyandthebroth.com. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. I love it. A lot of alignment there. What about fasting, intermittent fasting? Do you currently practice intermittent fasting? What are some of your favorite benefits from fasting? Yeah. In fact, in my book, The Ketogenic Key, which I have right here. <laughs> there we go. We'll put, by the way, we're going to put links for her, all of uh, Dr. Lori's books and her social media down below. If you're listening on the podcast, it's in the notes of the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. So in my book, I talk about 
it's called the ketogenic key because ketosis, I should have named it the ketosis key because it really is about ketosis, right? So if you don't want to do the ketogenic diet, then intermittent fasting will get you into, will provide ketosis for you. And there are other options for you outside of just having to go down to uh, 50 grams or 25 grams of carbs a day, right? Um, so intermittent fasting, I practice it. I do, uh, 14 to 16 hours a day and longer sometimes on the weekends. So it, it, the weekends are better for me because, you know, I have like, I go sh grocery shopping and I'm like, you know, I have to walk my dog. So I get, you know, <laughs> all this. I want my dog anyway, but, um, <laughs> it's just easier for some reason to do it on the, the weekends longer for me. But yeah, so Intermittent fasting, to me, is an excellent way to optimize your cellular health, right? We have autophagy that is excellent. We talk about cell cleanup. We talk about getting rid of dead and dying cells, which causes inflammation. I mean, the whole gamut is, is really corrected. Really, intermittent fasting is like a reset for your body. So if you have insulin resistance or you are obese or you have type 2 diabetes, Intermittent fasting is a fantastic way to do it. If you are type two, though, uh, with a doctor's approval is is best. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you shared about there's two ways to get into ketosis. You could eat a whole bunch of fat and some carbs, or you could just practice fasting. <laughs> your body's going to be forced to burn your own body fat. I like ketosis key, but the ketogenic key is also pretty good. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some... Uh, I call them fasting crutches. So somebody who is doing fasting, but their ghrelin, their hunger hormone is just uh, making noise. Like for example, I know I'm ready to eat right now. I've been fasting all day. It's about almost four in the afternoon. I've worked out today. I've did a live stream. So uh, my stomach has been growling the last 45 minutes actually since this interview. So I know my body is ready to eat. But typically, my hunger, when I do feel it, it goes away in five to 10 minutes. And if it lasts longer, I know I'm ready to eat. So what are some examples you can give, maybe some crutches for those who want to extend their fast, but they're getting those hunger pangs? So for example, today, I even posted about this on Instagram. It was a tip. So if you are hungry while you fast, having green tea is an excellent way to break eat the hunger, right? Because it tamps down on the hunger hormone ghrelin. Sometimes when we're fasting, we get hungry and we want to go through, you know, the 14, 16 hours, 24 hours or whatever. And so this green tea really is beneficial in this case because of the nutrient uh, EGCG. Yeah, so uh, so many benefits to green tea. I mean, it also activates autophagy too, right? It's amazing. Yeah, yep. So does coffee as well. But there's still mm -hmm. some some skepticism on whether it does or not to this day. But one day we'll find out. I think it will. Uh, the, the reason there's skepticism is because for some people, coffee raises glucose, and if glucose goes up, autophagy goes down. But for some people, it doesn't raise glucose, and then it could increase the autophagy. At least that's what I think is going on with the coffee. Yeah, and it's, you know, and there are other there are other foods and so if you though get enough food if you're fasting and you must ensure that you get enough food to sustain you. And that's a really important point because a lot of people they're afraid to overeat. They're they're afraid that they're going to gain weight. But if, you know, you're doing keto, which I highly recommend doing keto to, you know, whatever degree you want and then fasting. I 
really ultimately foundationally recommend intermittent fasting at the very least. But I myself practice uh, a very form of keto. Some people call carnivore diet carnivorous if they're not completely carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm keto carbish. <laughs> <laughs> keto carbish, got it. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, it's, you know, there, there are things you can do. Also, you know, remember too, when you're fasting, you're activating AMPK, which is going to really help you lose weight and provide energy for you. It's just, it's really fasting is fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's analytic cells. It's my favorite tool in the shed. It's not the only tool, but it is my favorite tool, but I've seen a lot of people fall in love with fasting and they don't feast enough. So there has to be a balance there because our cells are hardwired for the feasting and the fasting. Have you seen the same? Yes, absolutely. I see that a lot. And the other thing I've seen is just the opposite where people, um, they gorge after they fast. And this is Mm -hmm. generally in the beginning when they're not used to being food depleted, (laughs) deprived, if you will. And it goes away generally for most people when fasting becomes a way of life for you, but just a word of caution there to be careful with that. I would love for you to share some of the, your favorite labs. You know, we could, we know that looking at the number on the scale is not going to be a determining factor to whether or not keto and fasting is working for you. There's much more than that. There's the non-scale victories, of course, how you feel, your energy levels, your sleep, but also lab work. Like what are some lab work what are your favorite inflammatory markers for those doing keto to get done and get done on a frequent basis to see if their approach is working for them? Fantastic question. So the first one is vitamin D, because if you have a, a low vitamin D level, then you generally probably have inflammation going on, right? The next one is, and by the way, I like it to be up at 70 or higher is where yeah. I would like that to be. And then uh, your CRP, C-reactive protein value is very important. The lower, the better. One or two is ideal if you can get there. But suffice it to say uh, that, you know, you need to get that checked because if you don't get it checked, just like your vitamin D, you'll live your life not knowing whether you could have just made one small change in your life, like having green tea and your inflammatory markers would go down. So, you know, just just a, a little heads up there. And then the other one is fasting insulin is very important. Uh, fasting glucose is eh, pretty okay. It's okay up there, but we're, we're more concerned with A1C. That's a, that's a better barometer of what's going on with your glucose. And, and or if you were a glucose patch. Yeah, my, uh, CGM, yeah. I've, I've worn one for a couple of months. It's such great data. Did you learn a lot about it yourself? Oh my gosh, so much. It's it's even like the the healthiest keto foods didn't agree with me for some reason. So I, I could see that with that monitor. Yeah. And I had a lady on my podcast show, she's a physician and she was talking about how when she drank coffee with that monitor, it would show her glucose through the roof that you were referring to earlier, you know, and that it happens to a lot of people. So it just... You just never know unless you do these things, right? Exactly. So, yeah. um, so we've, we have CRP, we have vitamin D, we have fasting insulin. Fasting glucose is, is just good. And then we also want our triglyceride level and our HDL, okay? So those are two important markers. HDL, there's a ratio that you get. Um, if it's one, 
1.2, you're good with the, the division of triglycerides and HDL. So when you have that really great ratio, then you know you're doing the right thing. If your HDL is high, your triglyceride level is low, you are doing well. Those are awesome markers. So, so important. And, and there's so many that we, you could do as well, but those give you a great, a great baseline. I did 40 days of carnivore earlier this summer just because I wanted to, um, I wanted to do it and see what it did for my body. So I did a whole bunch of lab work, all of those included. My C-reactive protein was 1.1 1, 1 .1, uh, day one of carnivore, which is pretty good. And then after 40 days of eating nothing but animal fat, saturated fat, cholesterol, my C-reactive protein went down to 0.5. What? <laughs> it, That's unheard yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. From eating <laughs> nothing but meat. That's amazing. Isn't that interesting? That is very, I've never heard of that, that low before. Generally, you know, there's always inflammation going on in the body when the cell metabolizes food. For example, the mitochondria produces reactive oxygen species, etc. Within the cell, there's always inflammation happening. But that it was that was great for you because it was that's all it was showing. <laughs> Durant, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. It was it was super interesting, and a lot of other things happened too. Like my homocysteine dropped. Uh, you know, my cholesterol went up, but all my inflammatory markers went down. So that is. The inflammation prevails. The oxidative stress prevails, not your total cholesterol. I want everybody to understand that. Yeah. Outside of, I don't even mention cholesterol as a marker for inflammation. Triglyceride right. levels, HDL, unless your total cholesterol is skyrocketing. You know, you, you may have the genetic hypercholesteremia, which right. is familial. Um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, carnivore to the rescue, at least short term, not long term, just like keto, just like vegan. I think it's all great short term if you do it the right way. Uh, so could you just share with the audience, where's the best place to find your books, your website and your podcast and just where are the best places to find your work? Thank you. Yes, uh, you can find me at my, my website is drlorishemek.com. And I have all sorts of, uh, my blog is there. There's a lot of information, years of information, of health information for you. Also, you can find my books. I have four of them, and they're all on Amazon. You can find them, and you can also find it on my website as well. And I'm on Twitter as Lori Shemek, L-O-R-I. And I'm on uh, Instagram as Dr. Lori Shemek. On Facebook is Dr. Lori Shemek. And what am I missing, Ben? Your podcast. <laughs> Oh, in my podcast. Thank you. Yes. And, and if you'd like to learn about fat loss and optimizing health, it's called This Podcast Burns Fat, and it's on every platform. It's a great name. It's a great name. Um, la last question. Actually, before I get to the last question, your Twitter is fantastic. I said it earlier, but if you're on Twitter, you got to go follow Dr. Uh, Lori here because I I'm just always blown away by your Twitter post. So thank you for the consistent effort on Twitter. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, consistency is king. It is king. Last question here as we wrap, um, wrap this up, it's been a great interview, is let's say somebody is doing keto, they've been doing keto, they've been doing intermittent fasting, they've been doing keto flexing, but they're just not getting the results they want. They see their friends getting results, they see their coworkers getting results, and they're starting to think something is wrong with them. And they want to give up. They want to quit on keto. They want to quit on these tools that we've shared here today. What would be your word, words of wisdom for, the, for this person? Well, and when you say they're not getting results, meaning weight loss? Not just weight loss. They just don't feel good. Ah, uh, okay. In that case, I would say don't do it. 
right? They may be somebody who needs carbohydrates, more carbohydrates, because we're all genetically unique. And so they could do a higher carb version of keto, if you will. Which is still low carb in uh, standard American diet uh, terms. Yeah, when you think the average American ingests 300 grams of carbs a day, it's astounding, oh right? Oh my gosh, it's So crazy, you drop yeah. that down to 100, then there you go. You're, and, and, you, you know, and people with 100 grams of carbs a day still have good cellular health. Now, it, ought, yeah. it becomes more optimized the lower the carb generally, but not always because, you know, we all hail from different regions in the world. Our families do. So that's true. Uh, great advice. I, I love that because you're telling them to change it up, you know, mix it up, try something else. I've done the same thing where I've taken somebody, this keto just hasn't been working for them. Hey, let's put you in a paleo and then back to keto. And then it works much better when we do that. So great advice. And also there was the intermittent fasting, if they're not intermittent fasting, sometimes that's the thing they need to do, but slowly yeah. ease into it. Like, you know, delaying breakfast an hour for a week or exactly. a few days, et cetera. Yeah. I love that. I have a quick question for somebody, uh, Christy, who just um, posted this question. Could the ingredients in heavy whipping cream be causing my inflammation? It has carrageenan, disodium phosphate. My knees really hurt when I have it in my coffee. What do you think about that, Dr. Lori? I do. That's it. That That's probably what's causing it. You know, and you also may have a, a food sensitivity to dairy, I hate to say, as well. But those ingredients are definitely inflammatory. And if you can find... It without it, uh, that would be best. Yeah, I would. I, I agree. And I would, Christine, I would say try having some ghee. Um, ghee removes the dairy, the lactose. That could be a good switch for, for, for Christine, Christine here. Yeah, be perfect. Yeah. Good question, Christine. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Lori, I want to acknowledge you for your many, many years of your work in the keto space, in the health space, in the inflammatory space. Uh, I really have learned a lot from this episode and I continue to learn a lot from your work. I am so grateful that you show up and you speak from the heart and you've got a great attitude and great um, energy to when you do speak. And I'm grateful that we connected. I am grateful that my audience got to see your work. And I encourage all of the keto campers to go get your books, to go listen to your podcast, check out your website. And I'm just grateful. And I thank you for today's podcast. Oh, the feeling is mutual. Thank you. And thank you, Ben, for giving me the opportunity to come on here. I love what you do. I Ben is the best, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Laurie. Thank you. It's been really fun. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Lori Shemek. She is a wealth of knowledge and information on inflammation. Go check out her books, her social media handles, and all the links and resources that we mentioned on the show in the notes of this podcast. Tag us, take a screenshot, and tag us both on Instagram on your stories or post. And what we'll do, what I'll do is I'll share it on my stories. We'll get some other keto campers following you back. Her Instagram handle is Dr. Lori Shemek. That is D R L O R I S H E M E K. And mine is at the Benazadi. I encourage you to text this episode to a friend, a family member, somebody you know who could get value from a conversation like this. If you want to watch the video interview I did with Dr. Lori that you just listened to, you could find that on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash keto camp. I want to remind you to leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show grow and expand and touch more lives. And when you do, take a screenshot of that 
review and email it to support at ketocamp.com. Put your shipping address in the United States and we'll mail you a special gift. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You will hear me on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.